0: TCL has been making smartphones for years, but only in 2020 would it launch its own self-branded phones, and we happen to have both in our labs for testing. What does TCL's first solo venture into the smartphone space look like? We've got your answers. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Doubt, and this week, we are taking a good long look at some very intriguing offers from those guys that make cheap TVs, TCL. Specifically, we've got Cliff Thomas looking at the TCL 10L and myself evaluating the TCL 10 Pro. But first, of course, we will start off with the news of the week, and the first story is a big one. So... I'm not a judge nor a legal expert, but this story made me say, "Holy shit," out loud. It seems DJI may have violated a drone patent held by a competitor, Autel, since 2013. That's bad, but Autel brought a suit to the International Trade Commission, and the judge there ruled not only that DJI was in violation of the patent, but that DJI needs to stop shipping drones to the US for sale. Further, all violating drones should be pulled from store shelves of July. Um, That's like 85% of the drones out there. Wait, no, no, I take that back. That's like 85% of the drones that you should actually buy out there. So this is a big deal if it's held up. Now, if there's one thing I've learned about corporate America, or actually DJI is a Chinese company, so allow me to rephrase. If there's one thing I've learned about corporations in America, it was most eloquently summed up by Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park.
1: Life Uh, finds a way.
0: And this is where I say that Jeff Goldblum is just a jewel, and I would love to have a meal with him sometimes, but I honestly am afraid that I would leave dizzy, and that's a great, great thing. Now, anyway, back to drones. So, yes, I suspect that this will not ultimately lead to the end of sales in the U.S. for DJI. I suspect that this will actually lead to a very large truck filled with very large bills with lots and lots of zeros written on them being sent from DJI to Autel And that'll be the end of this. So good on you, Otel. And DJI still pretty much wipes the floor with you. So back when the OnePlus 8 came out, Dieter Bone reviewed the phone and he talked about the black filter setting on the camera at the time saying, I have no idea why it's there, but it's there. I may have even played that clip in the podcast, but I'm honestly too lazy to go back and check. Anyway, flash forward to today and all of a sudden people have started noticing that the black color filter called Photochrome, can actually see through black materials, such as the casing around remote controls and clothing. Wait, what? Yes, clothing, to a certain extent. Apparently, the tech uses IR light to Well, look through clothes, and now OnePlus is disabling that until it figures out how to get teenage boys to stop aiming their phones at girls' shirts. I mean, actually, the camera doesn't work all that well. The t-shirts have to be pretty thin, so you're probably not going to see anything. But still, OnePlus is exercising the better part of valor in this case while it rethinks its IR light trick. Sorry, teenage boys. We're all working from home these days, right? Well, that soon might include jury duty! Yay! Courts across the nation have suspended in-person trials while exploring the move to remote adjudication, and a court in Texas is the first to give it a real shot. Now, this is an abbreviated trial, and the verdict will be non-binding— and it's an insurance case, so really, in every conceivable way, this is boring as hell. But the trial is being conducted by Zoom, which at least gives it a crouton of interesting in an otherwise boring salad. But they're going to do this to test for viability of jury trials going forward, which could make things even more interesting, though if it does become an accepted practice, it'll be that much harder to get out of jury duty, and ugh. Joe Rogan is one of the more popular podcasters out there with his own show, The Joe Rogan Experience. Well, that experience is moving exclusively to Spotify for the next few years. And look, the guy is incredibly successful, so it's hard to comment on him or his show, except to point out that just the other day he was trying to convince a guest of his that Obamagate was real. It's not. And maybe him moving to Spotify wasn't such a terrible thing. Whatever, I don't. But what it does signal is the frightful idea of walled content in the podcast space, which is not ideal. If Spotify wants to be el numero uno in the world of podcasting, good for Spotify and good luck to you legitimately. I don't like Apple Podcasts, but here we are. But I object to removing content from other listeners just because they don't want to use your app. And that goes for all platforms like that. You can listen to this show on any platform you want. And maybe, maybe, someday, I'll be in a position where Spotify offers me a big wad of cash to live exclusively on its platform. And if that ever happens, it'll be because you've left me a review and told all your friends about this awesome podcast. Yay! But seriously, if that ever does happen, I suspect I'll already be doing quite okay with my podcast and I won't need a big wad of cash. Still a small fish here, but you can help me become a medium-sized fish. Review, tell your friends, I'm counting on you to give me the opportunity to sell out so that I can return the favor by not selling out. Vivo is a delightful phone company because it just keeps throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And unlike Samsung, who does that with software, Vivo actually does that with hardware. One of the first pop-up selfie cams came from Vivo, a slider phone came from Vivo, and now we might be looking at one of the first cameras stabilized by a teeny tiny itty bitty mini gimbal. And what i mean by that is basically a gimbal is built into the camera module itself which would keep the camera steady from handshake and general phone futzing even more than today's optical image stabilized cameras and i'm not sure i said that right hmm vivo showed off a video on weibo of this camera lens presumably readjusting itself like a camera gimbal and it looks pretty cool. Now, a gimbal, for those who are not familiar, is a device that people hold, which basically keeps the phone level while shooting video. You could rotate your hand side to side, and the camera stays balanced. Now, imagine all that happening inside the phone, and that is pretty darn cool. It remains to be seen whether or not it'll actually work, not to mention the range of motion is limited to about three degrees in any direction, but it could be a neat next step in smartphone camera stabilization. Or it could be just some digital FX guy at Vivo screwing with us. It could go either way. And that's what I love about Vivo. So, you remember how last week I said I never report on rumors or speculation? Well, yeah, anyway. John Prosser is building a name for himself and his YouTube show called Front Page Tech. Although, if you ask me, it should be called Half Front Page Tech because half the dude's face is always in shadow and it bugs the hell out of me. Anyway, John Prosser leaked details about AR glasses coming from Apple, which will be called Apple Glass, and they're going to use LiDAR to, I don't know, LiDAR shit, I guess, but they're going to put everything up on display on your eyeballs. And he also says that these are possibly coming in Q4 2020 or Q1 2021. But honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure we're there yet. Although, including LiDAR in the iPad Pro and the iPhones Pro this fall does seem to point to something coming from that. I'm not sure what else Apple's long-term plan could be for that, and it's not like Apple has a warehouse full of LiDAR sensors and they're wondering what to do with them. All the same, it seems awfully soon, but maybe it's not. VR is making great leaps these days, so maybe it's AR's turn, and recognition and mainstream acceptance of one of those would be great for the other. We'll just have to wait and see, because at this point, it's only a rumor, and I know, I know, literally the next show... And speaking of literally the next show, 9to5Google released price points and other leaked specifications for the upcoming Google Pixel 4a, which is said to be starting at just $349 with 128GB of storage and, well, hello! Now, this isn't really a surprise because it's a little bit less than what the Pixel 3a launched for, but still, the sub-$400 market is getting pretty good these days with the iPhone SE and the Pixel... But not quite the TCL 10 Pro, which starts at $449, and a review is coming up really quick, so just be a little bit more patient. Anyway, at $349, this could be a great phone, possibly one of the best buys of the year. We'll have to wait and see, oh, I hate those words, what the final release is before passing judgment, and pass judgment, we will. Kevin Mayer, former head of streaming for Disney+, Plus, is taking on a new challenge, TikTok he'll become the video company's new CEO. Now, Mayer was in consideration for CEO of Disney for a time before he got passed over, so now he's taking his ball and going to TikTok to lip sync his way to success. The Chinese company ByteDance, who is the parent company of TikTok, is looking for a way to get even more 11-year-old girls lip syncing their way into phones across the country, though some suspect that Mayer may just be a US-friendly figurehead who will go through whatever motions his puppet masters tell him to do. On the other hand, I hope not, but back on the same hand, it really wouldn't shock me. Spatial is a workplace-sharing app that exists in VR. Up until recently, it was only available on things like the Magic Leap headset, which no one has, or Microsoft's HoloLens, again, which no one has. But now, not only is Spatial available for the Oculus Quest, but it's being offered for free during this pandemic, which means people are gonna be using this thing. Still, not a ton of people, because the Oculus Quest is still a fairly niche device, but its potential customer base just grew a buttload. And yes, that is an industry term. So, will spatial be the meeting space of the future? The zoom of augmented reality meetups, perhaps? It's a little too early to tell, but I sure as heck want to try it out pronto. This could be a really good way to introduce more business-focused apps to the VR space, which is to say that this will make the Oculus Quest useful for more than just gaming, and that could be a very, very good thing. Since its inception, tech pundits have called AT&T's 5G-E bullshit what it is. Bullshit. AT&T tried to convince the masses that its network was a pseudo-5G network, which made, look, my iPhone has 5G, a thing, and goddammit, AT&T. Well, it only took a recommendation from the National Advertising Review Board to call AT&T on its bullshit, and so now AT&T is dropping the bullshit. I just wish the review board had said something like, you know 2 years ago oh and for the record AT&T feels the fact that 5G evolution doesn't actually mean 5G is obvious even though it's totally not obvious and AT&T you kind of suck so AT&T 5GE is finally dead and it never should have been born in the first place Rob Liefeld, the creator of Deadpool, has been basically telling anyone who will listen that there won't be another Deadpool movie now that Disney is running the franchise. His evidence is that there is no Deadpool movie in the lineup that Disney released for the next five years. But that lineup was developed and released before Disney got control of 20th Century Fox properties, which, by the way, includes Deadpool. So I'm pretty sure that argument doesn't hold water. Oh, and there's the fact that Disney CEO Bob Iger just changed his Twitter banner to a graphic that includes images of all of Disney's properties, from Pixar to Star Wars to Frozen. And by the way, it also has Deadpool on it. So I'm giving this point to Disney, and well played. North and South Dakota just rolled out their first contact tracing COVID-19 apps, and right away we discovered that they violate their own terms of service because they report their location data to third-party companies, not just the government. And Jesus Christ, Dakotas, you had one job to do. You know, you wonder why the Carolinas get invited to all the parties. It's because of stuff like this. Now, I'll be honest with you, I barely know where the Dakotas are. They're somewhere out boring, I mean out west, and that's the thing about living in Chicago. You've got New York, then some mountains, then a couple of baseball teams, then Cedar Point Amusement Park in Detroit where they make cars or something, then you get to Chicago, and once you pass Chicago, it's a whole lot of boring and tourist traps for like three days of driving until you get to Seattle. It's rough out there, people. So anyway, if you live in the Dakotas, first of all, Sorry. Second of all, you might want to pass on this first-generation contact tracing app. Back in November, T-Mobile promised free service to all first responders as a thank you for their service, and also to show how humanitarian the new T-Mobile would be after the Sprint merger. Now, at the time, that meant police, fire, and EMTs. But since then, I'm fairly sure the term first responder has morphed to include doctors and nurses, at least in the minds of the public. But I'm damn sure it didn't morph into the minds of T-Mobile, but it just goes to show, you have to plan ahead when you're in PR. Personally, I'd love it if someone would record a phone conversation with T-Mobile, asking them for a free line of service and a free iPhone SE, because they're a bagger at a grocery store. Let's just see how that goes, shall we? Anyway, baggers at grocery stores, T-Mobile may not appreciate you. But I sure as hell do. And finally, you asked for it, you get it. If you're a vocal enough minority, that is. Because the good news is, we're getting another Star Trek series from CBS All Access based on Captain Pike. The... Well, not really bad, but the meh news is that we're finally getting the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. We'll talk about that one in a second, but Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, and Rebecca Romaine all made a video thanking fans for getting CBS to make the spin-off called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The show will feature... Wait, which ship was that? I'll let you tell them, Scotty. The Enterprise Chatter and Pizza.
1: There have been five Federation ships with that name. Please specify by registry number. NCC-1701.
0: No bloody A, B, C, or D. Yay! Anyway, this will feature the Enterprise from the days before Captain Kirk took the bridge. That's right, Star Trek nerds, there's a new captain in town. The show will have a more hopeful and episodic tone to it, more in keeping with the original series. Both of the other Star Trek series from CBS have had season-long story arcs, which is also a good way to go, but I think this will be a nice change. Anyway, we're all in quarantine now, so filming won't start for a long, long time, but it will start... And I, for one, am looking forward to it. So now let's talk about that news that is, eh. Since 2017, DC movie fans, all dozen or so of them, have been dousing their drawers at the idea of a different cut of the movie than what audiences saw, the so-called Snyder Cut of the Justice League. By all reports, it's amazing! or at least more amazing than the theatrical release, but let's be honest, that's a very, very, very depressingly low bar. Well, HBO Max announced that it would be releasing the Snyder Cut in 2021 on the streaming service. 2021. Now, that's at least seven months away, and a recut piece of crap is still likely to be a piece of crap, but whatever, Fanboy's gonna Fanboy, so maybe it won't suck. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's still gonna suck. So, anyway, the moral of the story is fan bases, when they're loud enough, and yes, when they're annoying enough, can get something done. It doesn't always work, and in fact, it rarely works. Hashtag bring back Stargate. But when it does, it's a beautiful thing. So, congrats to Star Trek nerds, congrats to DC movie nerds, and congrats to Jericho and Veronica Mars fans, too, because they did it once upon a time as well. We've got merch! That's right, the Benefit of a Doubt Podcast has official merchandise, so now you can fly your fandom flag. We've got t-shirts, coffee mugs, and stickers all waiting to be shipped to your door, and you can buy them right now, today. These t-shirts will be on a limited run, so grab them while you can and join the hashtag friendwithbenefit movement. Just go to benefitofadoubt.com/slash support and click on the Teespring logo. That's Benefitofadoubt.com/slash support and click on the Teespring logo. Once there, you can grab a t-shirt, a coffee mug, or a sticker and show your support for the show. So head on over to Teespring and pick up some merch today. Plus, there are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com support. That's benefitofadoubt.com support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package. I hope you visit. I hope you don some merch. And as always, I thank you for listening. This week we have a pair of reviews for you, both coming from TCL. We have a TCL 10L, a budget phone reviewed by my co-producer Cliff, and the 10 Pro reviewed by yours truly. And we're going to start off with the 10L, so without further ado, here's Cliff.
1: In a time where the North American mobile device market is dominated by two manufacturers, it's quite the challenge for any new player to carve out their piece of market share, Yet TCL, the purveyor of well-received, value-oriented televisions, is trying their hand at smartphones, starting with the 10 Pro and with the subject of this review, the 10L. Despite these being their first TCL-branded smartphones marketed here in the U.S., they're no stranger to manufacturing them as they've sold devices here under their sub-brand Alcatel and as a licensee of the BlackBerry brand with the Key1 and Key2. With the limited sales success of those now defunct BlackBerry handsets, and with Alcatel devices typically limited to being the free device offered to you when signing up for service with a mobile virtual network operator like Straight Talk, it's easy to wonder why TCO would believe now is the time to market devices under their own brand. Smart move? Well, That's not for me to decide. It is my job, however, to find out if their first entry into the ultra-competitive flow to mid-range level of smartphones is worth consideration. The 10L is TCL's entry into the value-first tier of the mobile device market, and expectations should be tempered accordingly. That said, the 10L offers a lot for the expected price at launch of $249 with a large 6.53 inch LCD display with FHD plus resolution, punch hole front facing camera, a quad camera setup at the back, a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack at the top, a single speaker at the base, a fingerprint reader at the rear, 64 gigabytes of storage expandable up to 256 gigabytes via microSD, a rather large 4,000 milliamp hour battery, a healthy 6GB of RAM and a Qualcomm Snapdragon 665, the 10L has specifications competitive with the best in its class. Included with the 10L are the obligatory SIM tool and manuals, charging adapter, USB-A to USB-C charging cable, and a surprisingly nice TPU protective case. Like most phones at this price point, the 10L is constructed mostly of plastic. The device has a decent heft to it, avoiding the silicon and an egg feeling of others I've used. The midplate is solid enough to feel like metal, while the backplate has a holographic treatment that makes it look like some recent flagship devices, as light plays with the service in a delightful way on my Mariana Blue Review unit. The power button and volume rocker are comfortably placed on the right side, with each generating a satisfying click and none of the rattles some competing devices are cursed with. More interestingly, TCL has added an accessory button that they call the Smart Key on the left side that can be assigned different functions depending on the interaction. By default, a long press launches Google Assistant. This is quite a nice feature, normally only found on the flagships from LG or the Convenience button on the BlackBerry Key 2 I wish more manufacturers would embrace what TCL has done here. In all, the 10L is a well-constructed phone that offers no real surprises in its design outside of the beautiful sheen on the back cover and the small brilliance that is the smart key. There's not much more telling about the intention and personality of a company than the choices it makes with its software. TCL treats Android 10 with a mostly light hand, with its nearly stock-filling launcher named, rather stoically, TCL UI. Included are Google's dialer, contacts, calendar, keyboard, and messaging apps, the Chrome browser, as well as access to the Google feed with a swipe to the right. These are, in my eyes, welcome choices as I find these particular Google apps better than most. TCL seems to have a whimsical side as the icons for their video player, photo gallery, and music player have a short animation when selected. As they do not seem to detract from performance, I think they're a fun and unassuming touch. In an interesting tweak when browsing applications in a folder, you're offered the option to swipe right or left to access the contents of other folders. I love this addition and hope other manufacturers, including Google, add something like it to their own software. When first powered on, the TL defaults to the back, home, multitask buttons that have been an Android mainstay for many generations. And a first for me, when onboarding, TCL offers a configuration for right or left-handed use, swapping the multitask and back buttons depending on the selection. That's thoughtful. Once configured, it's apparent TCL has taken some inspirations from Samsung's flavors of Android. There's an option for the standard Love Handle and Home gestures that ship with Android 10, but in addition, it also includes the choice of gestures exactly like those that Samsung included in the first version of One UI, with swipes from the bottom up replacing the normal buttons for back, home, and multitasking. I don't believe offering choice is a bad thing, it's just interesting that Samsung-style gestures were one of them. Much of what TCL has added to their software has to do with tuning the display. Oh, and that display, there's a lot to talk about there. If potential buyers of the 10L have heard of TCL, it's most likely because of their televisions. Their offerings are devouring large swaths of the sales of the low to mid categories of TVs, and they're now making a push towards the higher end of the spectrum. They've done it with panel quality that punches way up while offering them at very competitive prices. Not coincidentally in part because they are one of the few companies that also make their own panels. Now, TCL is bringing their vertical integration into the smartphone realm. The only other manufacturers I know that make their own displays are Samsung, LG, and Sony. One advantage of this is the ability to offer a better display at different price points than most of their competition. It's one of the reasons I'm excited to review this device. I'm usually reserved when it comes to reviews, rarely gushing. However, the 10L has a display that is 6.53 inches of beautiful printed. It's a display that would not be out of place on a $600 device. Its viewing angles are broad and there's no significant color shift. It's certainly a good thing that the 10L ships with a display of this quality as it is 91% of the front of the phone. Part of the excellent experience the display delivers is due to its software tuning TCL calls NextVision which adjusts the contrast, saturation, and color temperature to provide what most would consider a more pleasing look. I naturally gravitate towards natural color tuning, and whatever TCL is doing on the software side never appeared to me to be obviously oversaturated or blown out. The NextVision application, technically just an options panel, offers the option to disable it. I left it on for most of my time with the device. NextVision also brings SDR to HDR upscaling and a reading mode that shifts the color to be easier on the eyes. I didn't notice much of a difference with the HDR upscaling turned on or off, but I can say the video always looked great when binging the new upload series from Amazon Prime Video. The 10L's camera system consists of a 48-megapixel main shooter with an ISOCELL Samsung sensor, pixel bin to a 12-megapixel image output, a 2-megapixel depth sensor mostly for that portrait bokeh effect, a 2-megapixel macro camera, and an 8-megapixel 118-degree ultra-wide camera. I was a bit disappointed to find that the 48-megapixel sensor was not the IMX586 from Sony that's received so much praise in many of the better-reviewed phones shipped over the past year. However, including that would have raised the price beyond being competitive. I think calling this a true 4-camera system is mostly for marketing, as the 2-megapixel depth sensor is not something end-user accesses directly in the camera software. Speaking of the camera software, the user interface and functionality reminds again of Samsung software. It's not a bad thing to be inspired if the result is flattering. In this case, I'd say that's mostly true. As is true of the better cameras against which the 10L competes, the camera takes pictures that range from good to great in settings with adequate lighting. This can be said for any of the cameras, including the 16-megapixel front-facing camera. Things get a bit rough when the world gets darker where the cameras tend to wander in focus, and a well-exposed and composed shot is much harder to take. Selfies on the front-facing camera are generally quite nice, with a portrait mode that produces pleasant shots easily used on social media. It's unusual for any smartphone to include a dedicated macro focus camera, and this one is quite fun to use even if the megapixel count is low. The results tend to be noisy, but it adds flexibility and fun in real-world use. TCL imbued the 10L with internals more than up to the challenge of providing useful speed and battery life for a device of its tier. The Snapdragon 665 and 6GB of RAM are a happy marriage when paired with the software build that feels light on its feet. Despite occasional stuttering, TCL UI never feels bogged down, or the generous amount of RAM shows its benefit. Battery life is an all-day affair and then some, with 40% often remaining for me when it was time to put it down for the night. I'm not one to subscribe to Screen On Time as a metric and won't be discussing results like that here. Suffice it to say, most of those who are heavier in their use than me should be able to last a day with the 10L. In my experience with the included charging solution, the 10L took a little over 2 hours to charge to 100%. The Snapdragon 665 does support Qualcomm Quick Charge 3, and I was able to get a full charge about a third of the time faster using a charger that supports that standard. The TCL 10L is an excellent first entry into the North American market, with a good build, interesting design, useful camera set, excellent software performance, and a fantastic display that sets it apart from competitors. If you're considering a device like the G-Series from Motorola or the A-Series from Samsung, the 10L needs to be on your shortlist if you consider the display to be a top priority.
0: The TCL 10 Pro is, well, it's kind of a confusing phone because when you pick this phone up, Holy crap, what a phone. It's amazingly built with a gorgeous display. It looks and feels super premium. There are a ton of extra features here that you normally don't see in any phone, let alone one on the lower end of the mid-range scale. This is a damn good phone. But then you look under the hood at the Snapdragon 675, and you're like, wait, what? But then you're reminded of the price, under $450, and you're like, oh... And then you shoot a photo with the camera, and you're like, whoa, what? And then you shoot a photo with the ultrawide, and you're like, "Ooh!" And there you have the TCL 10 Pro. And honestly, I think from software to hardware to cameras, the story of this phone is the little extras that you get. And that's my review. No, I'm just kidding. Had you going there, didn't I? So seriously, or at least as serious as I ever get on this podcast, here is my TCL 10 Pro podcast review. And we're going to start with what TCL really wants you to notice first, display greatness. That's right, TCL believes in their display so much that they embossed it on the case that ships in the box. It's a clear case, and when you pop it on, the back of the case says display greatness. Well, actually it says display greatness, and the L is made into a little box that surrounds the TCL branding on the back of the actual phone. It's a neat little extra, and it's kind of cool. But I digress. Back to the hardware. This is a gorgeous 6.47-inch Full HD Plus display with curved edges that looks a lot like another premium smartphone that will remain nameless. And I think you know who I'm talking about, and it's not Apple. Just picking up this phone makes you feel the quality of engineering that went into this. The case that chips in the box is very minimal, so it doesn't detract from the design at all. The four-camera module on the back sits mostly flush to the back of the phone. Actually, oddly enough, only the flash modules, and there are two of them, stick up just a bit. But there's one on each side of the camera module, so it's still balanced, which means Thanos would like it very much. Maybe not throw it off the cliff to get to the Soul Stone very much, but maybe close. On the right side of the phone are the power and volume rocker, and on the left, you have a Google Assistant button. On the bottom is a single-speaker grill covering a very, very tinny, tinny speaker and a USB Type-C port. And on the top, you have two little extras, a headphone jack and an IR blaster. Holy crap, a 2020 phone with an IR blaster. Little side note here, I'd forgotten how great it was to have an IR blaster. I mean, it's not like... Throw it off a cliff to get the Soul Stone great, but, you know, maybe close. Under the screen is a fairly mediocre fingerprint sensor that works most of the time. On the back, you'll find the cameras and flashes that we talked about, the branding that we talked about, and sure enough, right along the camera module is a little cheat sheet of what those cameras actually are. I'll just read it here, but we'll talk more about the cameras later. There's a 64-megapixel main sensor, a 16-megapixel wide-angle sensor, a 5-megapixel macro camera, and a 2-megapixel sensor that TCL calls a low-light camera, air quotes. On the front is a single 24 megapixel camera contained in what TCL has branded the Dotch. That's right, Dodge. Dotch. D O T C H. Combination of dot and notch, I guess? I don't know, but it's a teardrop notch. Anyway, if you were to pick up this phone, it feels premium. It feels cherry. It's gorgeous. And the software continues that trend. The software in this phone is built on Android 10. The leftmost panel is your Google feed, so that's awesome. Your app drawer is a swipe up away. Interestingly enough, the app drawer can also be sorted by category of app, kind of like streaming and games and whatnot. It's a neat feature, but I turned it the F off because it's also a little weird. Another weird but potentially handy oddity in the software is the ability to swipe left or right between app folders. so if you accidentally open the wrong folder, the right one can be right there. It took some getting used to, but I grew to like it very much. Maybe not throw it off a cliff. Okay, alright, I'll stop. The settings are categorized in an odd way. It took me forever to find the battery diagnostics, and that's because they're found in two different places, one for the hardware and another one for optimization and usage. It's weird. The aforementioned fingerprint sensor also has a neat little mini launcher in it. If you unlock the phone with your fingerprint and continue to hold the sensor, a little shortcut menu pops up that you can configure to open an app or turn on a flashlight or open the camera. Add to that the edge swipe app launcher, which allows you to swipe in a quick list of common apps and launch them from the side. And you have two other ways to open an app or a function aside from the normal way to do it. It's about the little extras. Gesture navigation on this phone is just okay. First of all, it needs to be said that I'm not a fan of gesture navigation in general, but add to the fact that the gesture navigation seems to Break some things on Gboard, and I had to turn it off. The keyboard is basically just a little bit too low on the phone for it to work well with gestures. There's a small chin on the bottom of this phone, which is great, but the software isn't optimized to compensate for that tiny chin, at least in gesture navigation mode. I should also mention out that this is pre-release software, so it may get ironed out later. It's not a huge deal, but, you know, whatever. I should also mention that according to TCL, this phone will get android 11 and that's all that they promised so one os update and you may be done and again nothing's promised there may be more they're still trying to work it out but then this is a sub 450 dollars phone so go figure tcl has committed to two years of security updates which is not nothing well played tcl overall i found the software to be delightful and fun with little extras designed to surprise you and make you smile it's a good time So let's carry on my wayward son into the camera, which is not so great a time. Starting out in the camera department, I need to get something off my chest. Here's the shutter sound effect. Here's the video capture sound effect. And here's video capture sound effects stopping. And with all that... Oh, hang on, one second. Hello? Yeah? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Understood. Okay, I'll tell them. Yeah, that was 2005. They want their camera sound effects back. As for the camera itself, it is demonstrably better than those available in 2005. 2020, however... Eh... TCL has a fairly common problem among smartphones in that they are way oversaturating and way over sharpening the f out of their images. Red flowers look really red, like on fire red. Green leaves look razor sharp, but like in a slicing cheese kind of way rather than what you'd actually want. So when I said the TCL phone is all about the extras, that's not always a good thing. What I found most interesting about the camera is that the Zoom to 2x actually looks really good, even though it's a digital crop. The ultra wide camera, however, is frankly not very good. Images shot with the ultra wide lens look kind of lifeless and drab. TCL does include a neat camera mode that shows you three different looks and lets you frame your shot and then choose the appropriate lens. Just you know, don't choose the ultra wide and you'll be good to go. There's also a, quote, super low light mode, which snaps a photo and then takes about seven seconds to process. Basically, it takes any light source and amplifies it, but it doesn't really do much to fill out the shadows. You don't really end up with a photo that looks like it was taken during the day. You end up with a photo that looks like you took a photo during the day and then a photo during the night and then kind of stitched them together weirdly. The videos shot on the phone actually do look pretty good. There wasn't a lot of loss of detail in moving subjects on video, and one pleasant surprise, by the way, I found burst shooting of a moving subject to be quite sharp, sharper than I expected. Getting back to video, there's also my favorite super slow-mo at 960 frames per second. I found timing the super slow-mo was pretty tough and my gymnast daughter got a bit frustrated with me trying to grab that perfect shot. Also, the light has to be absolutely wonderful for super slow-mo to be worth anything. If you're not out in bright sunlight, don't even try. Overall, I would call the camera setup here decent right in line with that price tag you're paying. There's nothing that's going to blow you away, and on the Insta talk, these photos and videos will be just fine. At a $450 mid-range price point, that's exactly what you should expect. But of this entire review, this is the downer section. Sorry. Speaking of downers, on the performance end, this phone also shows off its $450 stripes. The phone performs everyday tasks just fine, really no stutters or issues, maybe a little bit when you're launching an app. Even light games like Clash Royale are just fine. If you start to do some heavy lifting like Fortnite or Call of Duty, that's where you run into problems. In fact, this phone's screen just flat out goes black during Call of Duty, like, hell no man, I ain't doing that, what the hell man. And you can't really blame TCL for that. This is a $450 phone. If I tried to carry a piano on a Prius, it would be terrible, and I certainly wouldn't blame the car. Of course, one benefit of the mid-range processor comes in the form of battery life. The 4,500 milliamp hour battery will last you two days as long as you're under quarantine. While you're out in the world, who knows? But while on lockdown, it's no surprise to get through a day, a night, and probably until about nine or 10 the next day on a single charge, with all of my stuff loaded. I didn't play Call of Duty on this phone because of what I said before, but everything else was done on this phone. Four email accounts, four Slack accounts, browsing, reading, videos, you name it, this phone lasts, folks. The battery also supports reverse charging, so you've got that going for you too, but there's no wireless charging, which is fine. Eh, Maybe next time. As for normal charging with the included charger, I got to 43% in 30 minutes and a full charge in two hours. The first is not bad, The second's not really good. And finally, we get to other random test notes. One thing I haven't mentioned until now is that this phone is 4G only. I had been using the LG V60 5G on T-Mobile's 5G network, And I'll be honest, I didn't really notice a difference. 5G isn't there yet, folks. So if you're going to let anything hold you back from buying this phone, don't let it be the 5G. The screen is very, 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 very touch-happy. I got so many phantom touches on this curved screen that it was maddening, and that's even with the case on. Normally, a phone condom prevents a lot of accidental touches from my hand meat, but not so much in this case. This phone is very prone to accidental touches on the curves and some good news and bad news. The bad news is TCL packages some apps along with this phone. I wouldn't really call them bloatware so much as I'll personally never use it. Where One is an optimizer app that optimizes your phone, whatever that means. But the neat thing is is that the icon and a lot of the prepackaged icons are animated and they wiggle like if you open the gallery and then close it and return to the home screen, the gallery icon like wiggles it's so weird the same goes for settings and that optimize button it's really neat and I haven't seen that before of course speaking of the optimizer you can't put it in a folder you just simply can't it's the weirdest thing but the animated icons are a cute little extra as is the edge notification light when you get a notification a swirl of blue flashes around the screen the idea is that when the phone is face down, you can see the notification but even face up it looks pretty swanky. It's one of those little extra touches that makes this phone a delight. So where does that leave us? Well, this is a really nice phone that has a lot going for it. The only downside is the processing power. You will not play games on this phone. The wide camera is not great. But overall, this is a very solid entry in the newly minted TCL brand of phones. It's time to step away from the kids table and put on the big boy pants and TCL did just that. The price could be a little more competitive, especially with the iPhone SE out now and the Pixel 4a coming soon. Honestly, in light of those two, it's a little hard to recommend this phone, which doesn't mean it's bad, but maybe it's not quite good enough. All that being said, if you buy this phone, I'm sure you'll find the little extras just as delightful as I did. To some, they might be gimmicks, and honestly, one or two of them might be. But taken as a whole, all those little extras add up to a very respectable first entry into the space. I don't think TCL could have done a better job overall. This is a very good phone with some very good ideas. I'm genuinely excited to see what TCL's 2.0 software will look like. This is a really good first step for TCL, but it is still a first step so that's going to do it for this episode i'd like to thank tcl for providing cliff and i with review units for evaluation but i also want to tell you that tcl was not granted any editorial oversight for our reviews These are our words. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for tackling the TCL 10 L and for his usual hard work. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening and for leaving a review and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.